Welcome back. Let's go. So incredibly pumped for today's episode. <laughs> uh, first things first, let's talk about the important stuff. Like, have you rated and reviewed my podcast? Uh, I don't think you have because studies show that I only have 14 reviews, but about 25 of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. I'm such a creep, but this is what the Anchor app does. Here's my plug for the Anchor app right here. Courtney, remember to put it right here, please. Anyway, that means that there's a handful of you that still haven't rated and reviewed. And if kindness and bribery with stickers doesn't work, then I'm going to have to, I don't know, be mean. I can't threaten you over a podcast. That's not okay. But on a real note, it really does help me out and it helps get the word out about the podcast because I'm still like super small and I like being super small and intimate with you guys. Uh, but I'd also love for more people to hear the podcast. So make sure to rate and review it and send me a screenshot and I'll send you uh, some really nice snail mail. I write really good letters. Ask anyone. I wrote two sentences to my friend Kim and she cried. So I'm just saying I can be really nice when I want to be. But something else that I really wanted to mention, guys, my friend Anna Jane, who is also known as Dream Dauphine on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere in the world, um, she's an awesome artist, she does really cool art, and I love commissioning her for random stuff. So I recently commissioned her to do a pack portrait of me and my pack, but as she goes, oh my god, it's the cutest thing ever, if you want to see it, head on over to my Instagram, I'll make sure to post it. Um, it's amazing, and she has three more commissions open for the month of August, I mean, it's October. Oh. <laughs> she has three spots open for the month of October. So if you want something spooky of like you and your partner or you and your pets, make sure to reach out to her. I will put all of her information in the show notes so that you can get a really cool portrait as well. But enough about that shit. Let's get into the nitty gritty. What am I drinking today? It's nothing new. Again. But I did switch back over to the Allegra. Uh early bird morning blend from Whole Foods, which is delicious. I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Um, I found, like, a couple of beans in the back of my pantry, and I was like, oh my god, there you are, old friend. Here you are again. I think that was the first one I ever had. So we're 11 episodes in, and I'm right back where I started. <laughs> Shit. But I have more coffee coming on the way. Uh, a company actually reached out to me on Instagram to give me a free shipping code so that I can try out their coffee, and I'm super excited about it. So that will probably, hopefully, be next week's episode, if it comes in time, and if I can brew it in time. Um, but yeah, so I'm super stoked about that. They're based in Miami. I'm not going to tell you anything about them, because it's going to be a surprise, but I really can't wait. Okay, so I'm really excited about today's episode, because we're not just covering 
one topic of conversation. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different things, but these are all things that you can do as a dog owner starting today that will make your experience with your dog just a little bit easier. And just some training tips that like sometimes I forget are a thing when I'm working with a client because it's just something that comes secondhand to me. Uh, I gathered some for myself. I asked other trainers that I know. So these are kind of like across the board little training tips that you can start implementing today. So if you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, start taking notes now. First, let's talk about toys. I know from experience that <laughs> your dog probably has a million toys, which is like totally acceptable because they have birthdays and holidays that you celebrate. So like, obviously you have to get them a toy. Like I totally get it. My parents' dogs have like this huge, gigantic basic basket. <laughs> of toys that they used to just dig through but now they're old and they don't care about them anymore but my number one tip is to not give your dog access to toys a hundred percent of the time now maybe you have toys that are just strewn about you know strewn about strewn about you know what podcasting was the wrong choice for me fam words are really hard today but anyway you probably have some toys around and I think that's okay but I think that a really good tip is to keep like even if it's just like one or two toys you've got like a chew bone um cool my door just closed by itself and I hope it's the wind and not a ghost it's the wind but I like to pretend that there's a ghost in this house anyway I would suggest keeping like a bone and a couple toys like in a closet somewhere or just somewhere where your dog can't get at them 24 7 so that when you do need to distract your toy your dog um <laughs> When you need to distract your dog, or when you want to give them something special, you can bring out this super special toy or this super special bone, and it makes it that much more enjoyable. And it's kind of like, you know, the go-to advice when you have a puppy who's chewing is to give them something else to chew on rather than you, right? This theory implements so well, because if it's a special, you know, when something's out 24-7, it's not as fun anymore. But when you, like, refine it, it's kind of like when you, like, refine your favorite book. Or, I don't know, adults don't play with toys, but I think you guys kind of understand the concept. When it's not around 24-7 for you to enjoy, and then you, like, rediscover it, you fall in love with it again, and you have more fun with it again. The same concept applies with dogs. So maybe you have to write a paper, maybe you have a really big meeting, and you just need your dog out of the way. Break out the special bone break out the special toy, and let them, like, stay busy with that while you kind of do whatever it is that you have to do. My second tip is going to be utilizing the leash inside of the house. Holy crap, this is one that uh, I talked to you guys about the doggy style box before. This is one that I, actually the first doggy style box, that was my training tip, was utilizing the leash inside the house, especially when it comes to something like tethering. Like, people don't realize that, like, it's okay and you can put a leash on your dog inside and then, like, tie it to something sturdy just so that they get out of the way. <laughs> like, that's a thing that you can do. And I forget about that all the time. And sometimes when I tell people, they're like, oh, well, shit, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> right? But I always, always, always have a leash on a dog when I'm training them because it's, uh, it's just an easier way to shape the behavior that you want. It's the way that I like to communicate with dogs is through leash pressure. And so when you're working with your dog 
Or even, again, if your dog's in the way, you can just leash them up and direct them to another spot of the house. Or just leash them up and have them tethered to you if they're getting into something. Or leash them up and tie them to something sturdy to get them out of the way. Leash them up to get them off of the couch. The list goes on and on. There's so many reasons, you know. Dogs love to play chase when they've got something in their mouth that you don't want them to have in their mouth. And so if your dog already has a leash on... Well, they can run away, but you'll be able to get the leash faster than you'd ever be able to get the dog, right? So don't be afraid to use the leash inside of the house. Now, my third tip is going to have a bunch involved because I want to talk about crate training and how to make crate training a little bit more fun for you and for your dog. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is don't just use the crate for punishment. Uh... The crate should be something that your dog learns to love. You know, at first they're not going to like the containment because they're used to being either around their litter all the time or by themselves, depending on the situation that you got them from. But they're used to being around someone or something at all times, right? And it's important for your dog to learn to love the crate so that it's a safe space for them and it's kind of like a den for them and a space that's entirely theirs. Uh, But it's also, if there's an emergency situation, your dog needs to know how to be good in a crate if they have to go to a vet hospital overnight. There's a million different reasons why crate training is so important, but some tips to make it a little bit more easier for you is to start implementing, like the second you bring a dog home, start implementing fun things around the crate. So a client of mine, Lexi, and her dog Oliver just started reintroducing the crate because (laughs) Lexi got a new couch and Oliver hates it. Oh, I love you so much, Oliver. He's such a dope. (laughs) But anyway, like, literally last night, they just started reintroducing the crate, and so I told Lexi, I was like, just, you know, make it super comfy in there. Some dogs will destroy stuff in the crate. Some dogs will leave it alone, so kind of, you know, you'll kind of find what works best for your dog, but a dog who has done really well with crate training, has been indie, And so it's like a perfect little, like, like I want to go in there. It's kind of like she's got a nice, like, overstuffed bed in there. She's got blankets and stuff over the top, so it's nice and dark in there. And that's where Indy sleeps at night, and that's where she goes when she wants to be alone. And that's the general idea. You want a place where your dog can just go when they want to be alone, but also a place where you can bring your dog. So start utilizing the crate in more fun ways. Start feeding your dog in the crate. Start giving your dog treats in the crate. Start giving your dog that special toy or that special bone while they're inside the crate. Start utilizing the crate more and don't feel bad. I think that's one of the hardest things for some people to overcome when they're crate training their dog is that they feel bad because they feel like it's a punishment. Like almost every single dog that I work with enjoys their crate so much. Because it's just kind of like they can go in there and they know that they can chill in there and they're not going to be disturbed. And they're just going to be able to relax. And that's what it should be for dogs. And so that's one hurdle that maybe you have to come over yourself and just say, like, it's okay to contain my dog when they're in the way. I would rather you over-contain your dog in the beginning than have an emergency situation and it's ten times worse because your dog has absolutely no idea what a crate is. Sorry, I think I went on a tangent about how much I love crate training, but it really is super important, and I want all dogs to be associated with a crate because it's honestly the greatest tool ever invented, and um, dogs and humans benefit from it. 
But with that, once your dog gets acclimated to the crate, start using the crate to your advantage. If you're not good with people coming to the door, start working on more crate training where they have to be in the crate and they aren't allowed out until they are calm. This is a totally different episode. I don't want to get too deep into crate training. But start utilizing it more. If you want your dog out of the way, if you just want your dog to chill out, put them in the crate. Let them, let it be that space for them where the second they get in, they know that they can chill out. One tip that my friend Susanna, who is the Carolina Puppy Master, or the Rally Dog Coach, or she's got a million different names. She's amazing at what she does. Uh, find her on Facebook under under Rally Raleigh Dog Coach. Um, she's just fucking awesome. But anyway, her one tidbit for me to share with you guys is that training your dog for one minute a day every day for thirty days is gonna have more of an impact on your dog than one sixty minute training session. And I think that's fucking killer advice because it's so true your dog craves consistency and routine but also a little secret tidbit is that just like humans and I've talked about this before I think just like humans it takes 21 days for the neuron pathways in a dog's brain to change so what does that mean it basically means that it takes 21 days to form a habit for dogs so when you're introducing a new trick or when you're introducing a new behavior or whatever it might be, do it consistently for 21 days and it'll become muscle memory. If I haven't mentioned it already, this is gonna, this episode is kind of gonna be all over the place because there's really no way to, uh, what's the word? Kind of like smoothly go between, transition between tips. So let's just get on to the next one. The next one we're gonna talk about ditch the dish. Which is basically the theory that rather than feeding your dog in a dish, you're feeding your dog throughout the day using training and using their kibble or their raw food or whatever it is that you're feeding them, using that as a reward rather than treats. There's a whole theory on it. I'm not well versed in it, but I know that it works wonders. So give it a goog, give it a good Google search, <laughs> look at this dish. It's especially helpful for dogs who are not uh, especially food motivated. So since I mumbled, ditch the dish is the name of the technique. So go and look it up. It's really awesome. It's awesome for all dogs, but it is especially helpful for those who are not food motivated to get them to become food motivated. Ooh, another tip that Susanna had, which I just saw from looking at my notes, was, and this is kind of goes in line with ditch the dish, But say you're feeding your dog kibble, put some kibble in like a pouch. And if you don't want to go and get a training pouch, here's what you can do. And instead of avoiding doing the work, here's what you can do. You can take a Ziploc bag, put some kibble in it, get a binder clip, binder clip that shit to your pants, and you have a training pouch. Boom. You can't avoid it anymore. Get to work. (laughs) But do that. And then throughout the day, when you see your dog doing something that you like, reward them for that behavior, whether it's going to the bathroom outside, whether it's not chewing on the furniture, whether it's just laying there and relaxing, whether it's not barking at the Amazon delivery guy, whatever it might be. Maybe it's even just walking away from you. If you have a dog who's a Velcro dog and that dog voluntarily walks away from you, reward the shit out of that. (laughs) Something that I forget about 
not often, but I'll catch myself forgetting about it. If you're actively working with your dog and you're actively, you know, you're in the action of training your dog and you can't give your dog 100% of your attention, then it's not fair for you to expect 100% of their attention back. And I'll give you a really good example of when I was doing poorly at this. Um, I was at a retreat in North Carolina and I had the chance to bring two clients. So I brought Sammy and I brought Indy. And it was a hard retreat, but that's for another episode. Um, (laughs) but I was working with Indy and I was distracted because I was watching all of like my friends and my colleagues doing the exercises really well. And I was also getting work from my mentor at the time. And so while I was working Indy, you know, I'd ask her behavior and then I would look up to my mentor for like advice or feedback. And she'd be like, why are you looking at me? Like release Indy from this activity because you're not paying attention to her. So if you don't already have a release cue for your dog, start incorporating one. And if you do get distracted, that's okay. Just give them the release cue and start over. It's okay to start over. I talked about Lynn Boyke before and his whole mantra of learn, practice, master, begin again. It's okay to begin again. That's the whole process of dog training is to learn everything, to master it. You keep practicing it and you begin again, right? I think I did that backwards, but it's fine. You get it. Now, here are some what might be obvious, but I think some people forget, and I always forget to remind people of these, is that if you have a dog who is a digger and you're trying to get them to stop digging out your peonies or whatever, I don't know what grows on the ground, peonies is what came, your marigolds, um, I feel like that's an internet joke, but I don't really know, but anyway, if you've got a dog who's a digger or who's a, a dog who's bred to dig, give them a spot where they can dig. So what might that look like? Maybe you just get one of those cheap plastic kiddie pools and you fill it with sand or you fill it with potting soil or whatever is cheapest for you to find and give your dog a designated spot to dig. Same thing with chewing. If your dog's a big chewer, you obviously don't want them chewing on your furniture, on your arms, on your legs, on your kids, on whatever. Give them something to chew on. This is where that, like, special bone or that special toy is going to come into play. If you've got a dog who's really, like, ball or fetch obsessed, holy shit, do you have a landmark of uncharted territory when it comes to training? Training doesn't, doesn't always just involve treats. It can involve play and toys, too, and it should. So if you've got a dog who would rip out someone's right arm for you for a fucking tennis ball, start incorporating that tennis ball into play. You see it a lot of times with, like, police dogs and, like, so, like, German Shepherds and Malamas who are instinctively ball-driven, I guess, or Border Collies or Australian Shepherds where they have one of those. It's like a tennis ball on a rope, basically. How the hell do you think you get them to do all those nice heels and amazing tricks? Because they'll rip someone's arm off for a fucking tennis ball. So use that to your advantage. The last thing I want to share with you guys kind of on that note is that know what to expect from your breed. Um, All dogs are bred to do something, whether that's be a lap dog, whether that's to hunt a guinea fowl, maybe it's to hunt deer. Maybe it's to hunt birds. Maybe it's to hunt something smaller on land. 
maybe it's to attack, maybe it's to be a guard dog. All dogs instinctively have some kind of nature to do something. And I want you to feed your dog into that. I want you to give that dog that outlet to do that specific thing. Maybe they're herders. Maybe, I don't know. There's a million different things that I'm getting out of breath because I'm talking too much without breathing. Hold on. Anyway, what I'm saying is let your dog be a dog. Don't forget that too. Sometimes we get too into training and we forget that our dogs are just dogs. So let your dog sniff around. Let your dog be an asshole for a second. If their favorite thing in the entire world is to pee on a tree, let them piss on a tree. And then go into training. Let your dog be a dog. Do the work. But also give them an outlet to do the things that they were bred to do. But safely. There are herding classes for everyone. There's bite work classes that you can get your dog into. There's protection work that you can get your dog into. Safely. Of course, please do all this stuff safely. You can do... What's that sport? It's absolutely wild. Hold on. Whatever. It doesn't matter the name of it. There's a million different dog sports that you can get into. You can get into agility. Like I said, there's herding classes. There's, if you've got a greyhound, there's places where you can go and run your dog. There are so many different dog sports available for whatever kind of breed that you might have. And if you've got a little chihuahua, then let them be a little chihuahua. It's okay. <laughs> That's what they're supposed to do, right? They're supposed to be vicious little terrors. Just kidding, I love chihuahuas more than anything, and I want a little pack of my own. But, let your dog be a dog. Let your dog be the dog that they're bred to be, and have fun with it. Dog training can get super serious super quickly, and I think that it should be super serious sometimes. But at the end of the day, you got your dog to have a companion and to have fun with, and... So it should be fun at the end of the day. If you're not having fun, you're not going to do well and you're not going to obviously enjoy it. So find a way to enjoy training with your dog and you'll be so much more successful. All right, I hope these tips helped. I know they're kind of all over the place and I went on a few tangents, but I love you. Enjoy the rest of your day and goodbye.